Season 2, Episode 98, the guest is Cole Parsons. Please say hello to the panel real quick. And hello everyone, my name is Sean Simons, also known as PPG Grandpa. You can find us at PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast and all, all your podcasting apps. But if you want to watch us live, go to clearproptv.com every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Tonight, we're talking with Cole Parsons on clearprop.tv and paratalk.org. But we're going to introduce everybody on the panel real quick beforehand. So we're going to start off with Brian Haybill Waller. What's up, buddy, buddy, old pal? Oh, man, just another great day in paradise. Looking forward to tonight's show big time. we got our great guests and uh, had a great weekend down there with my aviator family in Florida, frying some turkeys. And I hope everybody else had a good Thanksgiving and safe travels. Um, man, life is good. Looking forward to the show. Life is amazing. Thank you, Brian, so much for joining us. You can always find him and his shenanigans over at ppgbrian.com. We also got Jim Sennard from Canada, eh? My buddy that tells us that his money over there smells like maple syrup. Welcome to the show, buddy Jim. Hey, Sean. Things are going well up here. Had a really good flight yesterday, and it was nice and warm. It was about 32 33 degrees really it was awesome that, is that is that uh, celsius or fahrenheit <laughs> that's fahrenheit Woo! <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty warm i i went i landed and got way too hot too many clothes on that's we crazy. i don't think i've ever said i got hot at 32 degrees um so you're in canada and uh, you run a printing uh, uh company up there so if anybody wants to get decals or decals, as you call them up there, or stickers, make sure you go to carepp.com. And if you want to watch his flying shenanigans, carepg.com. Thank you, Jim, for being on the show, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you. We also got Will Fly from willflyppg.com. What's up, buddy Opel? Hey, man. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. I know I did, and I've got a lot to be grateful for. Uh, had a nice flight yesterday with uh, about five or six of my buds and uh, got to fly out of a big sod farm. Got to fly Scirocco 3 for the first time, too. That was nice. First oh, experience. Cool. cool. Definitely need to hear more about that. You get the, a video about that? Uh, uh, just a short video about it. It was just a short little flight. All right. There and, wasn't yeah. any power lines involved, was there? Yeah, no power lines, <laughs> man. No hay bales either. Good deal. <laughs> no, oh, no power lines. Nothing. Awesome. Well, if you guys don't know, you can run over to willflyppg.com. Watch his crazy shenanigans. He has a lot of great videos out there, and all of his videos are hit like five to 10,000 uh, hits each. So, I mean, he puts out some really good con content. So, thank you, Will Fly. Welcome to the show. We also got paramomusa.com. Linda Anderson, she's our cheerleader. Welcome to the show, Linda. Hey. Hi, guys. I love my Monday night. It's a, a lovely 31 degrees outside right now, but it's all good because, you know, I'm a northern girl. I got to acclimate. I got to, you know, cowgirl up and get out there and do stuff. What are you going to do? Hope you all had a good Thanksgiving and everything. And uh, welcome Cole Parsons to the show tonight. I'm like, I'm so excited about tonight. So. 
That's going to be a really good show. And Linda Anderson, in case you don't know, she is our PR girl. If you want to be on the show, please get up with Linda Anderson. You can find her on Facebook. If you if you can't find her on Facebook, just go to paramomusa.com, and that .com will forward over to her Facebook page. Linda Anderson, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Linda. And of course, we got JP Tulo. Find him at jptulo.com. He's our JP Tulo TikTok Tulo guy, and the only guy I know that has a couple million views on his TikTok because a cat goes meow. Gotcha. What's up, JP? What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Always a pleasure. How's everybody else doing? Good. Amazing. Good. Amazing. Great. Awesome. Anything new on your TikTok? Nah, just uh, same old, same old. Come on over and uh, say hi if you get a chance. Uh, mention the show and uh, I don't know, do something. Give a shout. <laughs> I'll give you a shout in the next video or something. Oh, you heard that. So make sure you go over to jptulo.com or ppgjp.com. Say hi to him on his channel. Hit that subscribe button and that bell notification. But uh thank you jp for being on the show but this is not about us the panel members this is not about you know maple syrup canada money this is about cole parsons he is our guest tonight he's been flying for t 10 years nine years already since 2012. Yeah. um just an amazing guy he has lots of great stories to talk to us about so welcome cole to the show we appreciate you buddy thank you all glad to be here well, um, before we go on, uh, let's go ahead and hear from you real quick. Tell us about yourself. How did you get into paramotors? And then we got a bunch of questions that we're going to ask you. Sure. So um, I started flying nine years ago, but uh, my interest in it really peaked um, back in 1993. I was searching the Internet and I found the old DK Whisper out of Japan a video on these guys flying out of Japan and like, wow, that's a great way to fly. You know, you don't need a hangar for a plane or an ultralight. Um, so I just thought that was really cool. And at the time I was just having kids. So, and, and had my first or second house. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't in my cards. So I kind of filed that away. And then uh, 20 years later, I was, driving through Grand Haven, Michigan, and I saw somebody flying down the beach again and uh, flying PPG and I'm like, wow, there it is again. So I got interested and went searching on the internet again and I found uh, all the Jeff Goyne videos and found the, the paramotor Bible. And, and then I found out that Jeff lives right in my neighborhood about two miles away. So I contacted Jeff and he was really super cool and nice and knowledgeable about the sport. And he said, you're really in luck. There's not too many instructors around, but there's one right down the road from you. So he introduced me to uh, the guys at Midwest Parajet and that's how I started flying. Well, I cannot imagine. I, I would have loved to be uh, flying back in 2012. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of questions, but uh, let's say hi to everyone in the Super Chat real quick. We got Mark Droids, Brian Waller, uh, Bill H., Michael Fulmer. Glad that you are here, buddy O'Pal. Uh, Nick Griffith, of course, uh, Brian Waller's in the house also. Mark Droids. 
uh, Larry K, um, JP is here also. And hopefully we get more people in here. Uh, Deweese Milstead's in the house. Hello. And uh, if you have any questions for Cole, please leave them in the super chat. And uh, anybody on the panel here, um, if I don't see the, the question, please interrupt me. Don't interrupt Cole. Interrupt me and let me know that, that someone has a question out there. So um, any questions right off the bat from, uh, from our panel for Cole before we get into some more questions? Man, I don't know which one to start with. I mean, how many different motors have you flown? I mean, there's wings to talk about too, but I'm just curious about motors. I've only first. owned three. And, wow, and I, I've flown other motors, but uh, I first started out on a used MK100, MZ100, on an old Sky Cruiser frame. And uh, I flew that for you know, maybe four years, had to rebuild it a few times. And then I went to a top 80 and I, I just swapped that out on that old Sky Cruiser frame. And I flew that up until last year with over 760 hours on it. Wow. So you're a good mechanic too. <laughs> well, I've learned a lot and, uh, you know, there's some great, um, there's some great folks out there and great uh, resources. You know, you can't beat Hal Robinson at Southwest Air Sports, especially for the top 80s. And um, there's just a lot of great resources out there for that. What about wings? Like, I see the picture in the background of that eagle wing, and I just can't that imagine what it would be like to fly that thing. How was that? Um, it, it's a lot of fun to fly. It's a very stable wing. It, it was, um, it's custom made by Elizabeth Gorin. Um, and it's based on a Stardust 24 made by Axis. So it, it, it's kind of tough to launch, but uh, it's very stable and uh, fun to fly. And boy, do you get a lot of looks when you fly it. What, what is that? Is that the beginner cross country freestyle? What kind of wing is that there? It's based off of. Um, you know, I, I don't know too much about the, the Stardust, the access wing, other than that's what Elizabeth designed it. That's the wing that she used to, to base that off of. Very cool. I've, I've seen it a few times. Now, there's a couple of them floating around. That's not the only one. Is that we correct? have two. We actually have two of them. Um, okay. A buddy of mine uh, purchased them. Uh, his brother was a policeman down in Dallas who got shot and, um, and uh, paralyzed. So my friend started this group called uh, We're Just Patriots and uh, started it right before COVID hit. And it was to really go and honor first responders and um, people that were you know, paralyzed or hurt or injured on the job. And, and it uh, started getting that organization going and then COVID hit. So we kind of sidelined and really haven't done any, any events, but uh, he, he purchased both of them and, you know, we fly them when we can, but uh, they're very unique. You know, you don't go, you don't go too fast on them, but um, they're just fun to fly. For the people that are listening to the podcast and cannot see what your wing looks like, can you describe it, please? 
It is one of the uh, very unique and, and few, I, I believe there's only a couple of them around, but it's an eagle wing. And uh, uh, Elizabeth Gurren made them and um, they've been pretty famous. I, I know quite a few people have flown them um, at different fly-ins, but uh, they're very unique. So it's a big eagle, it has an eagle's head on it, an eagle tail and uh, this one, the two that we have, it actually says never quit on the wings. Now the head and the tail are actually protruding from the wing itself. So it's not just a printed eagle. You can actually see the head, it's in 3D and the tail is behind it. So how in the world, I mean, how is, I mean, I, don't, I, I have no play. idea how they even made that. Yeah, she, she is uh, quite, quite the uh, wing whisperer. Um, so but it's made the, of the same wing fabric. And then there's some spurs in there that uh, keep the head in the shape that it's in. But there's, there's no opening on the head, right? The two center cells no. on the leading edge? Okay. No. Mm. Oh, that would be tricky. So, so the rest of the cells are basically inflate the center. So. Correct. Gotcha. I wonder, was there any loss in lift? you any idea? Did you fly the same wing without the Eagle configuration? I'm just curious. Oh, no, no. So I'm a Mac Para fan. So I started out on a Muse 3, the 26 meter. And then I went to an Eden, a Mac Para Eden 5 and a 24 meter. I, I actually still have that wing. And then a few years ago, I went with the Mac Para Colorado 21. And currently I'm flying a Mac Para Samurai 20. So that's, that's four wings, if I count it correctly. Um, Larry K, WPPGA world champion in the chat. Um, wanted to know how many wings you've flown and what's your favorite and why? Well, uh, I've flown I've owned four and uh, I've flown probably a half dozen or more. Um, but my favorite wing right now is definitely the Samurai. I like the speed range on it. It has a lot of, um, a lot of range in the trimmers and the 2D steering I like. It's very responsive, carves really nice. But one thing I just love about the Mac Para wings is just the safety factor. I just, we fly in the Midwest. We're out right outside of Chicago, about 25 miles west of Chicago. And we get some um, different winds and, and weather elements that come through. And those wings have never let us down. Looks like Nick Griffith in the chat said that Jonathan Carr flies a wing like that too. So I guess you let Jonathan fly the wing or you know Jonathan Carr? I don't. Oh. But I'm sure there's a history to them when, uh, you know, through the years where, where they've made their way around the country. Looks like well, there's uh, one, one for sale. <laughs> I was just looking for a picture of it and it popped right up. Hmm. Any chance that birds are more likely to follow you when you're flying that big eagle wing? 
<laughs> I've always wondered that. <laughs> I had a hawk uh, dive on my wing once. I, I think uh, I was a little close to her nest, and uh, uh, she followed me for a while, a good 10 minutes or so, doing circles and stuff, and we were riding thermals, and she came up above me, dove down, and I'm uh, pretty sure she bounced off the tip. It was uh, – so if that was just a regular wing – I feel like if that was the eagle wing, they probably would have like, you know, could have been bad news. I think she would have been scared of it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because uh, eagles are naturally bigger than hawks. And yeah. Especially this eagle. You said it's a 24 meter. Yeah, it's a big wing. Can I ask uh, your uh, ballpark what you weigh? 160. On, I'm 5'8 and 160. Yeah. Okay. Right on. So. Excellent. So my my top eighty and uh, the the samurai twenty. It's a good fit. My Excellent. my yeah. yeah. Nick Nick Griffith in chat has a question about the top eighty. He says the top eighty is a bomb. How many trouble free hours of that seven hundred? Here all. <laughs> the, yeah. The the majority of it. You know. I I think I. Went through three pistons. You know, I I rebuild the carbs every year, and I replace the fuel lines every year. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's a two-stroke engine, so um, you, you, something's going to happen. But uh, the top eighty is pretty bulletproof. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree on that. So. Um... So you replace, okay, so this is good though. For someone that's been flying this long, um, you replace your fuel line every year and, you're, and you rebuild your carb every year. What else do you do every year on your motor that's just something that you replace whether you, it needs it or not? Uh, it, it's pretty much just rebuilding the carbs and all the fuel lines. And then, you know, I'll stick to regular maintenance that's recommended um, by the manufacturer or uh, I look a lot at uh, Chad at Miniplane has a lot of great resources about the top 80. And uh, like I said earlier too, Hal Robinson at Southwest Air Sports has some great reference material and, and maintenance schedules. And, and I follow that. I also change the plug every, you know, 10 or so hours on those. And um, I change the, uh, the, the redrive fluid every every year as well. Okay. Um, I also change out the spark plug every 10 hours or so too. There is such a cheap thing to change out and it just makes all the difference in the world when it comes to, you know, uh, the overall performance of a motor, I believe personally. Um, anybody else in the panel, do you change anything else out every year that's not on a maintenance? Do you just change out? Like one of the things that I also change out too are the carabiners. Apparently I change out at least one starter a year. JP's wow. got me on that one though. Uh, that's not preventive. They're just going out, but I, I see what you mean. Um, he was talking about his fuel lines or rebuilding the carburetor. I'm curious, do you run ethanol free fuel or aviation fuel or <laughs> just regular? Uh, ethanol free. It, it's kind of the, the joke with the group that I fly with, but uh, I, I do. I fly ethanol free. There's a, uh, a GA airport close by that sells it. 
Gotcha. Just yeah, curious. I think, yeah, I think in two strokes, that's a pretty important thing to do is keep the ethanol free, especially because um, uh, there are people that don't run the ethanol free. They just use regular pump gas that has the ethanol and they're always having carburetor problems. And when you rebuild your carburetor, um, what does everything look like in there? Because you do run ethanol free, but you also fly a lot. What, what is the, what does your carburetor look like when you do your maintenance every year? Usually it's pretty clean. It, you know, sometimes the screen will get a little gumped up, but uh, I found that's been due to, um, deterioration of uh, the fuel lines or something getting in the fuel that usually gums it up. But other than that, it's just, it's pretty clean. It's, it's just, you know, you can see that the membranes get, get a little worn out. And, but other than that, it's, it, they're pretty clean. Okay. Um, what kind of oil do you use? I know that um, the most are 185 and the Adam 80 and the top 80, I believe they run different um, ratios of oil. What kind of oil do you use and what ratio do you use? Amsoil Sabre, 50 to 1. Okay. Awesome. And I've always used that. And that, seems, that seems to be good, right? The Sabre? Yeah, the Sabre seems to be the, the best. And, but it's always the best of... I've heard a lot of good stuff about the Sabre. Um, it seems to offer really good lubrication without the uh, gunk issues that the Motul seems to leave. Um, I've seen a lot of complaints about uh, people running either one of the Motuls, and it has such a high um, flash rate that it doesn't, it just seems to clog up all the, the, uh, the internals of the motor. And that seems to be what the saber works a little bit better at. You can tell even when you're mixing it that it's just thinner and it uh, it mixes with the fuel uh, a lot quicker than the Motul does. And I think that's the issue that people have with the Motul, even though better, that's what Federazzi rec recommends is the Motul. But I think a lot of people have better uh, better luck with the saber. Yeah, saber is a little bit more expensive, but I agree. Um, is I've it really? I agree. Yeah, Saber seems to be more expensive than the Modal, and which is why I get the um, the seven ten. Um, it's the cheapest one out there, and it seems like it it works fine. I don't have any problems with it. it has a little bit more residue, and it uh, it seems like the Saber works a little bit ba better. I think um, when I do my hundred hour maintenance, and I can tell the difference between the two oils. So I, I think that the Saber is better, but you know it's a little bit cheaper, especially when you are doing lots of you know, flights, you know, I'm doing a 20 or 25 hour maintenance, you know, every three days or so, you know, I'm, I'm putting on a lot of hours on my, on my paramotor. So, you know, I go through a lot of oil, go through a lot of gas. Uh, we had a question in here is from Larry K says, why do you change out your carabiners every year? Must be using aluminum. Why not use stainless steel? The, there's nothing wrong with my carabiners when I change them out. It's just one of those things that, you know, I can't tell if there's any stress fractures on them. So they're only what, 30 bucks a pair, 40 bucks a pair, maybe. So it's not that expensive to change out. It's pretty much like the, the spark plugs. They're not that expensive to change out. Why not change them out and not have any 
worries. There's so many different worries that most people have when flying a paramotor. Um, that's one thing I don't want to worry about. I've seen too many videos of those uh, uh, carabiners opening up and, you know, then you're just free falling. It just scares the crap out of me. And it's so inexpensive. I mean, but that's the reason why I change them out. Um, uh, Cole, it seems like you've been flying a long time. How many states have you flown? Um, and do you plan on going overseas? Uh, I've only flown, I'm, I'm in Illinois. So I fly in Illinois and Michigan. And uh, those are those are the only two states I've flown in right now. Plan on flying overseas or any other interesting places? Uh, no, I'd, I'd like to, uh, there's so many places in the States to fly. I'd, I'd certainly like to fly down South and out in Arizona. Um, you know, one of these days I'll, I'll, I'll make some trips, but, uh, you know, right now, uh, just with family obligations, I've been, uh, pretty much flying in Illinois and Michigan. With you flying for nine years now, uh, have you planned on or have you taught anybody or plans on teaching? Um, have you gone up the PPG one, two, three rank and maybe instructor? You got your tandem or is that on the horizon or you just want to go fly and have fun? Yeah, I just want to go fly and have fun with my buddies. If I fly with a good group. There's um, about four or five of us that we fly together. And, uh, you know, I just like doing that. We know each other's instincts. We know where each other is. You don't have to worry about their skills or getting you in trouble at an LZ and losing that spot. But it's, it's just a good group. That's awesome. Do you guys use radio or do you communicate when you're flying, uh, when you're, you know, with your buddies? Uh, no, we all, we all do have communication sometimes we'll call each other in the air but uh when we're pre-flighting we'll usually say you know what's our plan today and and it you know it depends on the weather depends on the wind direction and um we're lucky because where we're at anything to the west of us is just wide open farms so you can pretty much fly from here to california without hitting anything it's just all open farmland so uh, just depending on the direction of the, the uh, wind, we'll set where we want to fly and we'll just take off and, and enjoy it. And we usually fly for 90 minutes to, you know, two hours, hour and a half, two hours. Do you do cross countries like you take off, you go someplace, land, do something and come back? Or is it just go out for 90 minutes or two hours, just fly around and come back to the LZ? Yeah, just mostly um, cross country. We don't land. We just get up there and fly. Fly until it gets dark, fly until sunset, or, you know, in the morning, we'll fly until it starts getting bumpy. All right. So two more questions before I let uh, everyone else uh, ask questions. What is your most scariest flight? And what is the most beautiful, awesome flight you've ever had? Oh, um, the scariest, we're, again, right outside of Chicago, so about 25 miles west of Chicago, a little southwest of Chicago. And during the summer, there's this phenomenon we call the lake dump. And what happens about an hour before sunset, there's cooling off Lake Michigan, and it will send this wave of cool air 
And uh, you can actually see it on super resolution radar. So <clears throat> we, we always have that radar app open when we're flying because uh, you don't want to get hit with this. And uh, uh, unfortunately we have a few times and when it hits you, it, it will bounce you around really good. And uh, it can be quite scary. It never had to land out, always have made it back to our, um, our LZs, but uh, it's quite violent and uh, you can feel it. You can feel the temperature cool off and then it just slams into you. And then so 15 that, minutes in 15 minutes after it hits, it's, it's gone and it's smooth again. That was actually a question by Larry Kay in the chat. Wanted to know about uh, lake dumps. I had no idea what it was. It sounds like to me you're explaining a, what I would call a gust front coming through. Yeah, oh. it is. It, and it, like I said, it's about an hour before sunset during the summers. That's what it is because Lake Michigan is such a large body of water. And it, it's the coolest spot. And uh, once it, it, the sun starts going down, just this cool gust front travels. And it, it, it travels quite rapidly. And um, you can see the line on, on the radar coming at you. And uh, like I said, they, it just hits you. And, and then, you know, five, 10 minutes later, it, it's uh, smooth again. And that was another question Larry had uh, about what apps you use. You mentioned you see it on the radar. What app are you using to see it? Like the Weather Channel app or uh, My Radar? Or? Uh, it's called Radar Scope. Okay. Oh, I use that too. Yeah, it's a great app. And, uh, and you can actually see it. Uh, you know, it's a faint line and, and you can see it. So if you have that app, as you do, Sean, you can, you can see it when um, a storm is approaching. Uh, out ahead of the storm, you'll see a line of a gust front. And, and that's similar to what we experience with the cooling of the Lake Michigan. That's pretty cool. So you said that you haven't had any motor outs. You've always made it back to the LZ? Uh, no, I've had quite quite a few motor outs, but oh, uh, okay. just just with getting hit with the gust fronts, I've I've never uh, I've never had to land out. But I've I've had quite a few motor outs. Uh, things such as your spark plug. Um, coming undone, uh, just mostly minor things like that. Um, what else? Fuel line has come off before, um, but it, it's been pretty minor. But, you know, the, it's the old adage, and, and you do this with experience, but, you know, I was taught when I was learning, you, you know, you always, and this is true in general aviation too, you always want to be looking for a spot to land out. So um, you, you need to be prepared because it, two stroke can go out anytime you're flying. So luckily I've never been hurt or uh, crashed too bad, but I've always been able to land out and um, I carry some parts with me. So some of the times I've been able to do field fixes and get right back up in the air. Other times I've had to call my buddies to come and fish me out of a cornfield or a soybean field. Speaking of that, you have a video on there about a Saturday night crash where mm -hmm. you were really low and coming fast and your engine went out. And I was wondering, how did that go down? Was there, did you have any time to react when the motor went out? Uh, I, I did. I had, I had very little time. So I had enough time to uh, 
evaluate the situation, see where I was going, uh, prepare, uh, you know, my, my breaks and, uh, and, and because it was downwind as well. So it, I was flying and the engine just started sputtering and I could not gain any altitude. So I, so I knew I was, I was going to land out and, uh, you know, I just, it's right below there. It's that, uh, um, so I, I just came in and pulled really hard on the brakes and, uh, luckily was able to, uh, land out. Okay. Well, I was actually able to, to, you know, I let the engine cool down a little bit. I looked over all my equipment, you know, from the fuel lines, everything, and was able to, uh, start the engine up and take off again. And did you land on your feet? I did. Oh, beautiful. The GoPro that goes flying. I had it on my helmet. And once I, I landed the, the GoPro went flying. We I just have it Velcro to my helmet. So uh, in case something happens, it's not, uh, it's not hardwired to my head. That's really smart. Anything that's on my helmet is definitely uh, um, um, not permanently mounted because I don't want to you know, get a line wrapped around and get stuck in a weird position or something like that. Bill H in the chats has a question for the guest. How can we follow him on any social media? We do have his YouTube link in the um, show notes down below, but if you have any other social media, please let us know what you got. Yeah, that's the only uh, channel I have, Cole Flies PPG. I'm not very active on it. But I, I think I have about 20 videos on there. And how many subscribers do you have right now? I It looks like 14, so. 14 subscribers. We have 23 viewers. If you could, I will post that link in uh, the super chat, but it's also down in the show notes. If you could, hit that link, subscribe to his channel, and check out his videos. Um, I don't think that we heard of your most awesome paramotor flight yet. Um, what was your most awesome flight? Um, I would probably say flying on the beaches up in uh, up in Michigan. I have family that has a place between Manistee and Lunnington, and um, it's just a beautiful area. And I'll fly right off the beach, and um, you know, morning at uh, sunrise. Um, it's just been phenomenal. So that by far would be my, my favorite flight or flights. There's no one up there. You have the beaches to yourself and, and just the views, especially with the sun coming up over the forest and you're out over the lake. It's just absolutely beautiful. So I'm looking through your YouTube channel. It looks like it goes back seven years um, to two weeks ago. So you got... Um, a good variety of videos on there, but not jam packed like some people. When you make videos, are you making them just so you can look back and go, oh, you know, that's that's what I did before? Are you trying to, you know, um, put them up there for your friends and family only? Or what are your plans when you make uh, videos? Yeah, it's pretty much just to remember the flight and for friends and family. And, you know, I don't videotape every time I fly or, or make videos to, to do that. I you know, I'm very safety conscious and, and I like to just get up and fly and, and 
I don't want want to worry about documenting or videoing all my flights. And sometimes I think that can be a distraction, especially to newer pilots. And you know, there's so many things to think about up there. But uh, um, so so that's it. That's why there's only I think 20 videos up there. But sometimes I do um, go live when I'm flying. I'll just uh, I use an app. Um, I think it's I don't even know what it's called. Uh, Go Live, I think it is. Um, and uh, I'll stream while I'm flying. Oh, okay, that's really cool. All right. Um, anybody in the in the um, panel or anybody in the super chat have any other questions for Cole right now? So I, I do. You're talking about since you're talking about cameras and GoPros and stuff. I mean, have you only used the GoPro cameras flying or have you experimented around with the other ones? I mean, nine years gives you a lot of experience, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm still using my same old uh, GoPro Hero 5. And uh, I do <laughs> I do carry a, a little pocket uh, Canon camera. Um, so sometimes I'll take pictures of my buddies as they're flying by. But, uh, you know, most... Well, these days, you know, the camera on your iPhones are so good that, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just use that. Yeah, the Hero 5s are awesome. I had two of them for like four years and then I upgraded to a 9 and I started having all kind of problems and losing videos. So in, enjoy those 5s. They're good. Yeah, you know, I'm one that if it's not broke, don't, don't, uh, you know, don't get rid of it. And uh, sometimes I put it on my helmet and other times I, I made a chase cam out of, uh, you know, one of the pop bottles and uh, about 10 meters of cord and uh, just put my GoPro out there and it works fabulous. So I, it, it's taking a beating and it just keeps on recording. So that's that little square one that's about yay big an inch by an inch squared. It is a little, little session. Yeah, I use that for for a uh, chase cam also i mean it's so light it's perfect for a chase cam and that's the only one that you use you put that on your helmet and um do you use a chest mount for your phone since you said that phones do really good no i actually for my phone i use a jogging strap you know that people use for their phones on their arm and i took the strap off it and i put that on my harness on the leg harness and I have, I use a hot air app. It's a balloon app. It's called Hot Air. And it is my flight log, but it also has um, live flight tracking on it. So when I'm flying, I have that app open and um, it's telling me my altitude, you know, my wind direction, my speed. Um, so all the information I need to know, I can see the train. And uh, it also is, like I said, it's my flight log. Um, but I, it, if I want to take a picture, I just take my iPhone out of that and I'll just take a picture. Is that a, so that's an iPhone probably, app it, Hot Air? Yeah, yeah, it's a balloon app, but it, it's great. I've been using it for years and I've tried a lot of other uh, PPG apps and uh, I always come back to this one. I like the flight tracking. I like the log. Um, I like how you can download it, download it using Google Earth and keep track of all my flights. 
and that's the it's uh, four ninety nine in the in the store. It looks mm. like okay. So I've never seen that before. I've ne never heard of it before until just now. So I'm really glad that you told me about it. I'll have to check it out. Matter of fact, I'll go ahead and just check it out right now. I'll go ahead and get it. Look at me. It's cheese. It's me. All right. So I'll go ahead and download it and check it out. It seems like uh, it's always good to find something different. I use the that um, uh, PPG PS and the Fly Sky High or High Fly Sky, Sky Fly yeah, High. I've, I've tried those too. But uh, just keep coming back to hot air. Interesting. You right. said that you use a live app where you go live and sometimes for your friends and family, or is that where? Yes, it's called Live 4. Live 4. And are you able to talk to them? Or are they able to talk to you? Um, I don't talk on it. Um, I think you, I think you can somehow, but I've never figured that out, but it, it goes right to, um, Facebook. So it's, you're, you're on Facebook live. And, oh, okay. Yeah. So, yep. There you go. That's I have it. four and, uh, welcome to the show, Brooke, by the way. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Always good to have you. Thanks guys. Good to be here tonight. Yeah. I like that yeah, app. So sometimes just for fun, I'll, I'll do that. And I'm sure all my friends that aren't PPG friendly don't like it, but it's nice. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Awesome. Um, any other questions for Cole? Uh, any questions in the super chat that anybody's seen? Lots Thank of you. talking in the super chat. Yeah. I went back and I was looking over a little while ago. I think we covered most of the ones I've seen in the chat so far. Um, but, you know, I had a question um, regarding to uh, fly-ins. Um, it doesn't sound like you've gone to too many of them. If you're flying nine years only in two states, um, you haven't done a whole lot of traveling. I mean, I guess you don't have a pair camper or anything like that set up, do you? No, I have a Jeep and, uh, you know, a car carrier all set up for my paramotor. But no, I've, I've only been to a couple and, um, you know, I, I probably should go to more, but I, I really like knowing who I'm flying with and just the safety factor. And, uh, you know, you just don't know the other skill level of some of those pilots out there. And, um, like I said, I live pretty close to a flight school and we'll fly down there sometimes. And, uh, you know, we'll just do a quick flyby because it, it's a lot of people up there flying and you don't know where they're going to fly, you know, what they're going to do, what maneuvers they're going to do. Uh, I just like to stay clear. I, I like to be safe and, and sound and know where I'm going, know who I'm flying with, knowing their tendencies and, yeah, I, but I, I do miss the camaraderie. I, I mean, there's so many great people in the sport. You know, for, I, I think in the future, if I do go to some, you know, it'll be more for the camaraderie of getting together and talking with your fellow pilots and sharing stories and, and learning and tips and that. But for the flying part, uh, you know, I just, I'm always hesitant of, uh, 
knowing where I am and who I'm flying with. Absolutely. Um, since you're since you're into you know being really safe and you've been flying for nine years, uh, do you fly with the reserve? And if you do, what kind do you have? No, I do not. I've never flown with the reserve. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's people out there that are wondering. It's like, wow, you've been flying for nine years and no reserve. You must be flying very, very super safe. So, um, what kind of flying do you do? I assume no acro then, since you don't have a reserve. I do not do acro. Um, I, I certainly test the boundaries of my wings. Um, I slalom, you know, the treetops and, you know, I'll, I'll fly, you know, up to 3000 feet or above. And, uh, but mostly I like low and slow, uh, flying above the corn tops, flying above the trees, down the rivers and streams. But uh, I, I certainly will uh, test, test the boundaries of my wings. Um, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm flying now a Mac Paris Samurai 20 and uh, the, the wing is very responsive, very fast. Uh, it carves incredibly. I like the 2D steering on it. So um, you can be safe and um, also fly pretty actively. That's good. Looks like we've got a couple of um, questions in the chat from Mark Droids. And we got another one from Larry that was talking about um, flying during the uh, during the winter. But it says, Cole, uh, do you fly year round in the heat and the snow? Any special gear that you use? And uh, Larry says, does Cole do much flying in the winter? So any tips or tricks, um, clothing, etc. So fly year round. In fact, the winter has some of the best air. And um, uh, we have flown in the snow, uh, below zero. I think the coldest we've ever flown was 20 below zero, um, but toasty warm. So what I, what I wear is, uh, I wear Gerbing uh, motorcycle clothes, you know, battery powered heated clothing. So I have a, a jacket, a, a heated jacket that I wear. So I'll wear uh, base thermal underwear and then uh, my heated jacket and then I have a flight suit that I put over that. And I wear uh, heated gloves. I have Gerbing heated gloves as well. And um, I've, I've really never been that cold. In fact, uh, you know, most of the time I'm toasty warm. Even, even like I said, down, <laughs> down to minus 20. Wow, that's pretty cold. Uh, I, um, Jim is from Canada. I don't think he's flown anything like 20 below zero yet. Have you, Jim? 20 below zero Celsius. I've been pretty close, but that's only three degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. The majority, the majority of our flights in the winter, they're, you know, they're, they're around 30 degrees, you know, above or below. So it's not too bad. And like you said, uh, the winter has some of the best air to fly in very buoyant and, and fun and just a whole different experience. Hey, yeah, I'm about to add here that. What was so, that, Jim? I, I said, I'm looking forward to new lows this winter. <laughs> Fly high and new lows. I like that. Well, I have to say, I think Cole is the primary example of what I was taught in school 
that this sport can be as safe as you make it. And um, it sounds like he only flies with people he knows and good weather conditions. I've uh, been doing it a long time. Hasn't had anything too bad to report. It doesn't sound like, um, you know, I, I get it. The safety part, not going to a lot of fly-ins at school. They taught us that, you know, go to a fly-in, but leave your gear behind, have fun and watch them. And now in the last couple of years, I've been to probably four a year. Um, and there's carnage at every one of them. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I, I get it. Um, so I just say to you, cheers, sir. And, uh, you know, good job being safe because that's kind of where I want to be. And now I find myself doing more wingovers and going to fly-ins and fly-in and having to abort three or four landings to land because there's too many people around. And, and uh, I feel like I need to be a little safer myself. So, yeah, you know, it, it, I think with time and in this sport, you, you find out your limits and I've certainly pushed mine to the edge and, and uh, you know, it always comes back to me. You know, I have, uh, I have a family, I have kids and uh, I don't want anything to happen to myself and, and happen uh, where I'm not going to be able to be around them. So uh, I certainly push my limits, but uh, you know, I've certainly throttled back through the, through the ages, you know, I, I, when I first started, I was doing all the foot drags and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, now, uh, I've throttled back a little bit on that and, uh, I I'll carve up that wing and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've flown in all types of conditions. You know, I've, like I said, I've hit the snow. I've hit, I've, I've been caught in rain. I've been caught in storms. I, I think I've experienced every type of weather phenomenal flying. Um, you know, flown above the clouds and gotten fogged in and had those scary landings where you're trying to break free of the clouds just to make sure you, you find ground and uh, you don't hit anything on the way down. So I've experienced it all. And, uh, you know, you file a lot of that away in the memory banks and you learn from it and uh, you learn what not to do again, and what you like and what you can learn from. Well, Mark, um, says Mark D. Um, what if any other flying machines as Cole flown? Did you start out on PPG or fly something prior to that? And in addition to that, I was curious if you've ever tried. Uh, I used to fly hang gliding trikes prior to getting into PPG, and um, I really enjoyed those. But the thing about those is. A number of things. Um, you either have to have a hanger and put them in, or if you're going to be mobile with them, you need a trailer. And folding up that hang gliding wing, you know, it takes about 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and plus the cost, you know, back when I started flying, they're about 25 grand, and they've they've only skyrocketed since then. Mm -hmm. um, so th this is the most unique way of flight that I've found. <clears throat> I've, I've flown, I don't have my my private pilot's license, but I've flown many planes with, you know, 150s, 172s, and, and that. Um, but the, this is by far the coolest flight that I've ever done. 
Art Graves in the in the chat said, "Any advice for taking off on zero wind?" Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it all depends. Of course, in 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 the mornings, I have a big forty by twenty tarp that that I'd lay out and put my wing on, and so it doesn't get wet. Uh, you know, any moisture on your wing, especially with zero wind takeoff, is going to hamper that. Um, Always know the direction of the wind, even though there's zero wind. Um, I always put my wing in, in neutral and um, I'll do a power forward. I'll just rub that engine up, um, get that motor going, uh, run hard, pull on those A's and, A's and give it gas. And, and uh, that's how I've, I've mastered them, but it, you know, it's living and learning and, and trying every technique. And, and then again, with every wing, it's different too. You have to know the capabilities of those wings and where to set those settings. And uh, on all the wings that I've had, and I've only had four, but each wing, it's different where I want to set those trimmers to a zero wind takeoff. And, and you said, um, you set your trims at what? Uh, usually at neutral and zero winds. Do you ever pull the trims all the way in for zero wind? I do. Like I said, it all depends on the wing. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So, so every wing has a little different tendencies on it. But absolutely, on the Eden 5, I always pull them all the way in. On my Colorado and... Uh, the samurai, I, I leave them neutral and, and I do a power forward. And they just, it seems to come up pretty easily and even zero wins. Now you do a power forward and what kind of motor and frame do you have? I fly a top 80 with a Kang Gook Viking frame. And the frame doesn't warp when you do a power forward? No. That's awesome. Um, I've heard some horror stories about power forwarding on some of the frames where they you know, flex a little bit and they hit the prop. Um, so I'm glad that doesn't happen to you on your particular frame. Um, yeah, that's that's been important to me um, with all my choices of frames. In fact, when I had the old Sky Cruiser frame, I rebuilt the hoop a number of times and um, I always put heavier duty um, spurs in there uh, that hold the nut just for that fact. You know, I've never been weight conscious with my frames. I've, I've always thought of uh, safety and, and flex and, and, and that too. You know, it doesn't make that much difference um, when, when you're loaded up with fuel and clothing and, and you're weighing, you know, what's five, five or 10 pounds. I'd, I'd much rather have safety um, involved with that. So the, the weight's never been a factor for me. It's more, you know, I, I don't want my lines getting snagged or going into the prop. And, uh, you, you know, I don't want the, the frame to, the, the cage to warp when you're doing a power forward. Okay, um, I don't know about that frame, um, but uh, Bill H says it's a strong frame and Sean Nasker says it's the same frame that he flies. Um, so you're Which able one, the, the Viking, the Cancun Viking. Yes. Or, yeah. So yeah, that's what I fly too. 
So you said that you can put more spars in there to make it sturdier? No, no. On my on my old Sky Cruiser frame, I, I put sturdier um, you know, spurs in there. Oh, okay. And okay. I rebuilt it. You know, <laughs> you know, I had that frame for, you know, uh eight years or so uh it it, it had uh a number of uh, crashes. So, you know, I rebuilt it quite a few times. So I, I kind of learned how to, you know, or bent the, uh, the hoop quite a few times. So um, I learned how to rebuild it and make it sturdier. Cole, would you be able to explain how you do your power forwards? Like your, the steps and uh, technique to doing that? Sure. Uh, you know, you're laying out your wing. I always get the uh, the leading edge fluffed up, so uh, they're facing into the, the zero wind, but facing into the direction of the wind. And then I set my my trimmers to depending again on the wing to neutral or or a little in. And um, <clears throat> then I hold my arms out, um, not down, but straight out, um, and I'll rev the engine up. To full power, I'll get the wind moving while I'm bent over about 45 degrees. And then I let off and I run leaning forward for that initial surge to get that wing going up. And, and then I gun it again. So once that wing's at about 80, 80 degrees up, um, I'm at full power again. And then I'm just running. Then, then I stand upright. So that initial surge, I'm, I'm bent over about 45 degrees as I as I surge and pull that wing up, and, and then I straighten up while I give it full power. Okay, so you're not full power while the lines are pressed up against the hoop. I'm full power, then I let off for a second as I surge the wing forward, and then I'm right on it. So, yeah. Okay. I'm not full power the entire time, Sean. Okay, so so that's the reason why your hoop doesn't flex into um, your prop. That's awesome. That that's a great way of doing it. Uh, um, I think somebody asked if you did trike or tried trike, and I don't remember what you said. No, no. My only experience was with the trike. Of course, was when I was flying uh, the hang gliding trikes, but not in PPG. Okay, so you did I, fly. It's the always been foot launched. Okay, so you did the do the flying, uh, the hang gliding uh, trike, and how'd you like that? Oh, I liked it. Um, you know, there's you have a Rotex, you know, five hundred three on the back of that. It, it's it's a it's fast, and um, you know, it's a it's a lawn dart. Yeah, it's very maneuverable, but um, there's just nothing like PPG. I, like I said, the versatility of flying. Uh, power paragliding just out, outweighs that. But uh, I, I did enjoy it. It's fast. It's fun. How does the flying compare, like in unstable air, between a, a glider and a, or a paraglider? Uh, you know, I didn't fly in any, uh, any hazardous or changing weather conditions when I was flying the uh, the hang gliding trike. Um, I didn't fly it for very long, and um, I, it was always, you know, perfect conditions. So I really don't have that that 
experience to, to compare them. But I've, I've certainly experienced it with PPG. A shout out to uh, DP in the chat. You gave 10 bucks and uh, JP wants to take a screenshot. You ready for that? Oh, yes. Let me change this real quick to the gallery mode. Ready when you are, buddy. Ready? One, two, three. Perfect. I didn't hear, right. I didn't hear the shutter sound. I didn't hear my ears. <laughs> I hope he really did it. So that's good. If you send it to the um, to the chat, I'll make it our our official thumbnail. thumbnail. Right. Love it. Thank you, JP. Thank you for reminding me, Linda. You know, that's what PRs are for, right? Yeah, that's what I, I knew there was a reason we kept you around. <laughs> not, not, not just the pretty face, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I know it's eight o'clock and I know that some people need to go because we already been talking for our uh, Cole, how long can you uh, chat with us? Did you want to chat a little bit more? Or are you um, sure. ready sure, to I'm head good. on out? No, I'm good. All right. Who needs to head on out? Hey, I got a bail. I'm good for a little while. Man. Good for a little while. How about you, JP? Yeah, I got to hit the uh, head on out. Um, I'm going to send this message to you guys and then hit it. Um, always a pleasure. Excellent show. Um, look forward to it every week. Uh, Cole, thanks so much for joining us, man. Um, it, it's been an honor. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, JP. Thank you, JP. We appreciate you, buddy. No problem, guys. Take her easy. Nice meeting you, Cole. Yep. Take care. Appreciate it. All right, so we lost JP, but the rest of us are still here. Good to go. And Cole, you said you, you can chat with us for another 30 minutes or so? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, good deal. We lost Will, too. Um, there's uh, one, one more question in the chat I saw. Um, Benjamin wants to know, do you ever wear uh, fluorescent or loud outdoor clothing for maximum contrast uh, if you're grounded? Uh, no. But I have, I'm very visible. I have uh, 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 LED lights all over my rig. So um, I currently have the uh, PPG lights, I think they're called, uh, all around my hoop with, I think there's like 200 different patterns on them. Um, so I'm always very visible. Um, and same with my buddies. We, we, always have lots of strobes on our on our gear yeah strobe what kind of strobe do you use uh like i said i think they're called uh the current one i think it's ppg lights like like the three lights that um, ppg smoke has uh or, know, or is it just it was it just a single one that goes on your yeah, i think that's what bottom from i think that's the name of the it's a whole um, controller and then it has the um led lights that go all the way around my hoop front and back okay yeah and okay. uh the, the big halo uh, lights yeah the controller has i like i said i think like 200 different patterns on it okay so i see highly visible so, so it's I, all rolled I think up into that, one. I think where I got them, 
I think the, the website was PPG Lights. Yeah, he doesn't make them anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to order some myself. Somebody told me that he may have been sick or ill for a while, but um, they're great lights, but unfortunately, his version one and two are no longer available. Hmm. Yeah, I got the version two, I believe. And yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. But prior to that, I, I kind of made my own. I had, uh, I just had uh, LED light strips all over the back of my cage on the, uh, and uh, I put a, a strobe on there. So I've, I've always had a lot of lights on my rig. I like to be seen. So we're outside of Chicago, like I said, we're about 25 miles Southwest, West Southwest. So there's a very congested airspace. You have Midway Airport, you have O'Hare, and then you have some pretty busy executive airports uh, right around us. You have uh, Aurora, and then you have Lewis, and there's quite a bit of um, executive jet traffic out of there. Um, and then real close, there, there's a couple other smaller airports, Clow Airport and Bolingbrook. So there's a lot of air traffic. So you, we'd like to be seen and like to know where other, uh, where other airplanes are. There's, there's a few helicopters around our area. And plus you always have the crop dusters um, during planting season. So, uh, you know, we like to limit our, limit our altitude because we know where the traffic is up high. And, uh, and we also use a number of apps too to, uh, to track those planes too. So there's another one, um, flight, tra flight radar. So anyone that's pinging, uh, you can you can see their their aircraft. So we like to be visible, so we so we we can be seen. Have you ever had any close calls with uh, any other aircraft? We have military uh, aircraft. Uh, not military um, helicopter, and um, just some some small like you know GA aircraft, fairly close. I always like, you know, you see someone coming, I always like to show them wing, you know, I'll, I'll bank to make myself as visible as possible so they can see, see as much of my wing as possible and get out of their way. But usually, you know, they're, they're, they're above 2,000 feet. But every now and then you'll get, get someone that's, uh, that's playing dangerously and and too close. Yeah, they're trying to get close to you to get a good view of you, I guess, huh? Yeah, and, and uh, there's a couple of acro guys, you know, that in their pits, uh, biplanes out there doing uh, doing their little uh, acrobatics. So we know where they are. We stay away from them. Um, but there is. There's a lot of air traffic around. Do you use any type of um, airband radio to, to hear traffic? No, no. Um, usually I'm, I listen to music when I fly. So um, I have my uh, Cena headset, Bluetooth in my headset. So I'm listening to music, but uh, uh, you know, I, we know the direction of all the air, airports and, and usually the flight pattern. So uh, you, you just always have to have your head on a swivel. 
uh, all the time. Um, you know, we talked earlier about knowing where your, your buddies are and their tendencies and their habits when they're flying. Um, but we're always uh, keeping our head on a swivel looking for, for any aviation. Absolutely. Um, definitely have to do that. And uh, you've been flying with music in your ear. Do you have any problems as far as like, uh, you know, um, does that distract you at all? Or is that just relaxing? Or how does that work for you? Uh, very relaxing. Uh, in fact, I, I, I can't think of a flight that I haven't been listening to music since I started. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, it, it's just soothing. I mean, what other sport can you be up there sitting in a lawn chair, taking in Mother Nature and, and you know, jamming to your playlist? So I have a oh, lot wow. of, uh, you know, a lot of different flying songs on, on my playlist. Yeah, well, I got to ask, man, because I know some people, all they listen to is like Beethoven or something like that when they're flying, man. Do you have a favorite type of uh, music you listen to while you're flying or? You know, it, it's all over, you know, it's from Frank Sinatra to Genesis to, you know, uh, Molly Hatchet. It, it's everything. It's all of it. Pink yeah. Floyd. And, yeah. Brooke jamming in the background. That's all he listens to. When we started flying together with Brooke, I was like, man, why don't y'all have radios? I don't want to listen to y'all talk. I want to listen to my music while I'm flying. So I, I, I get it. Yeah. It's, uh, it changes things when you start listening to the music. You, I fly a little different when a good song comes on. <laughs> a absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, you know what? It's, uh, it's about 10 after 8, so how about I put the meeting ID and passcode into the Super Chat if you guys want to join us and just chat uh, with Cole and ask questions. You're more than welcome to. Uh, please do that. Um, I got the... I got the um, waiting room on, so you'll have to wait until I see you and recognize you, and I'll let you in. So come on and hang out with us for a little bit. Um, any other questions for Cole from the panel? Yeah, I, I never got to ask. Uh, obviously, you get to fly a ton. Um, I assume you have somewhere really close to home that you fly, if not out of your own yard. Uh, I'm very fortunate in in fact, uh, one of the reasons why I moved into the neighborhood we moved into is there's a huge park at the end of my street. So it, it's literally at the end of my street. So um, I fly out of there. But what we do is we rotate our, our LZs. So we're real fortunate. Um, there's sod farms that we have permission to fly out of. There's a polo field that we have permission to fly out of. Um, and they're all within five minutes of my house. Um, but what we do is we rotate them. Um, it, it, you know, landing zones, launching uh, areas are very sacred. And, uh, you know, once you get permission, you don't, you don't want to lose it. And uh, we don't want to make anyone angry or, you know, get too sick of us. So, yeah, we rotate them as often as possible and uh, make, make friends the best we can. Uh, we've become friends with the uh, local police and and fire, um, but as long as you don't make anyone mad, uh, you know we can we can keep them. Yeah, we have lost. We have uh, lost one site. Um, you know, somebody that was flying with us uh, was being an idiot and, and flew over while um, some kids were practicing football, and the parents didn't like that and. Uh, 
you know, we got kicked out of there, but you know, it's, it's just using your heads. You, you know, you don't want to make anyone mad. You don't want to fly over people. You don't want to fly. If someone's practicing anywhere, I don't like to be seen. You know, I don't want people to know where we're taking off and landing. And uh, we, we keep those uh, as quiet and sacred as we can. So this neighborhood, this park at the end of the, the neighborhood, is do you share that LZ with uh, a famous guy named Jeff Bowen? Uh, no, no, no. I know you Jeff, said you had, Jeff was a, a few miles uh, north of me, and he had uh, he had another field right right by his house. He used to fly out of a church up there that had just a wide open field, and uh, it was nice. But it, but I had. I have the same thing right right at the end of my street. Jeff did used to fly fly over it uh, years ago when he lived up here. He's down in Florida now, but uh, he did he did fly the, the same areas that we fly. That's pretty cool that you got to uh, meet those guys, you know, early on and and uh, learn with them and fly with them. Uh, you know, I think the more people you get to fly with, the better a pilot you're going to be in the end. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you never stop learning. And, uh, you know, every time you fly, you learn something new. And every time you fly with someone different, you learn something new. And, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to fly with Jeff on a few occasions and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, in fact, a few years ago, there's a whole group of us. Jeff was, uh, in town, Jeff and Tim were in town. And uh, a whole group of us got together at a, a Noah Polo field. And uh, at the end of the flight, we're sitting down to take a picture. And I think there was close to 10 of us. And, and Jeff looked down and he goes, you know, we're all flying top 80s. Everyone had a top 80, you know, and it, what were the odds of that? But uh, it, it was kind of a coincidence, but it was kind of cool. So... The only beaches you've flown are the Great Lakes. Um, you've never flown an ocean beach, I guess? No, no, I'd love to, but uh, no, just Lake Michigan. So, I mean, it's a big lake. I would assume they probably have pretty similar laminar winds when it's onshore, or am I totally wrong? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's another good good topic. And yeah, whenever you're flying near water, you, you definitely need onshore winds. Um, you don't want to be sucked out there over the water. So I also fly with uh, power floats uh, because I do, I do like to fly over water. Um, there's some rivers and streams where we fly and, you know, I'll, I'll fly low, I'll fly under some bridges and, and that, but uh, I, I always have uh, power floats or flotation on. And the same thing when I'm flying over by Lake Michigan and is, you know, I always, have altitude when when I'm out further out on the lake. So if I have a power outage in that onshore wind, uh, you know, I have enough time to get back and land on the beach. But yeah, I would never fly with an offshore breeze or winds. Yeah, so yeah, flying flying um, flying out over water is something I'm not a fan of either. Uh, even with floats, I don't I don't know. I don't think I'd fly over water even with floats. It just it just sounds so 
scary to me like uh, the the risk versus versus benefits just flying out you know over heavy water i got a fear of drowning but i also have a fear of being eaten by sharks because uh, i've caught six foot bull sharks in three foot of water um but at least in the great lake you take away one of those fears there's no sharks right right yeah, exactly no sharks and you got a boat water. out there too you know and you have a reserve i guess it wouldn't be that bad probably some aliens out there musky <laughs> well yeah you know I'm, I'm never too far offshore and like i said when i am i'm i'm pretty high up but you know the the fun of flying especially where i fly on lake michigan up up near manistee and ludington they're pretty secluded beaches there's not a lot of people out there and uh the fun is just flying low right right over the beach right where the water's lapping against the beach it just phenomenal absolutely that's something i'd like to do eventually also is go out there and fly on the beach i still haven't done that um had a couple opportunities too when i was over in florida um but the weather was not good so you know it's pretty sad when you have your paramotor your wing and you're ready to do something but the wind says nope you're not going to do it today you almost made it to kitty hawk with us after moonshiners i really wish i would have been able to do that that's the only time I've flown a beach one time is Kitty Hawk. So that's that's pretty special. That's pretty awesome. I'd love to do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, you should do it. You should do yeah, it. That's it's a, a bucket, bucket list. list item. Absolutely. They got a little strip rare first flight um, field, literally like right beside the monument. And uh, it's only open from nine to five. So before those hours or after those hours there's nobody out there so you can fly right over it man it's awesome yeah that's cool yeah one of these days i will do that well next year i think i'll be able to do more things this this year has been kind of tight and and stuff you know uh with uh you know everything that's been going on it, it was hard to get away and go do stuff so hopefully everything's going to settle down a little bit this next year and uh, be able to go to more flyings, more places. And uh, Cole, you said that you might go to some fly-ins this next year coming up, you think? Or no? Well, you know, I, I every year I look at the calendar and I circle a couple, but, uh, you know, something always seems to get in the way. Um, you know, kids, families, events, something. Um, right. But, uh, you know, certainly not opposed to them. And, uh, you know, we all... I'm, like I said, I, I circle them on the calendar. Yeah. And same with my buddies. You know, each year we, we think about spots we want to go fly. And, uh, we have a couple of them. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's always weather related. You know, things come up. But uh, we check them off slowly. Brian, were you going to well, say something, buddy? <clears throat> yeah, I was. I got sidetracked by uh, Dick's comment um go ahead <laughs> oh no i want to go check out nick's comment now what do you say something about flying franktown virginia i was talking about flying over there at uh okay. at kitty hawk so <clears throat> oh i know what i was going to ask uh, i know you're a family man so your kids have been seeing you do this for nine years now. Um, have any of them expressed any interest in getting into the sport? No. Um, 
My wife's scared of heights, and uh, no, they, they haven't. They like coming and watching me fly, but no interest in actually doing it. Mm. I've, I've noticed that there are a lot of people that um, always say that looks like a very scary thing to do. Uh, flying a paramotor seems to be like an extreme sport to a lot of people out there. And to me, this is like the least extreme sport. I think it's like this is extreme as golf is. Well, it depends on who you see fly, you know, the, the first person. <laughs> The, the first person I saw fly was when I walked out the back door at Aviator and I looked up 3,000 feet. Kyle Mooney's doing the infinite tumble. And uh, I, and then, then a, a Mike Brown instructors, he looked at me and I'm a, he saw my jaw drop looking at him. I'm like, He's, that's day three. No problem, man. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess it's like, you know, there's cars and there's motorcycles, you know, we've, you know, we've driven cars. Um, some of us has driven motorcycles, but there are people that are doing, you know, uh, wheelies down the interstate at 120 miles an hour. And there's people that drive race cars and do, you know, really crazy stuff with uh, cars. So, but all in all, if it's just a, let's take off, let's get up to altitude, let's look at some really cool things, let's go over here and land and check this out, then take off and, you know, make it more like a plane type of thing where you're just going places and checking things out. It's not that dangerous, just like Cole said, you know, he hasn't, um, he, he doesn't use a, uh, a reserve, you know, but if you're going to do something like, um, you know, uh, infinite tumbles, or if you're going to be doing some heavy acro, yeah, you'd probably need a reserve and you need to up your skill level too. But how many people are actually going to go up there and do some infinite tumbles? Brian, are you going to do that anytime soon? Me either. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, but I'm getting pretty close to getting the barrel roll all the way around. So really you're going that far. Awesome. Pirate is too, huh? Yeah, I, I, I definitely got a little bit of an adrenaline junkie in me on the, the flying part. I mean, you know, flight 63, kicked the hay bale, went to SIV, took a, a dump into the water. Um, I'm starting to build up some experiences and and that, that kind of thing. So, But the more I get into it, the more I just love it, um, the sport. You know, are, you, are you planning on doing any SIV courses or any um, maneuvers courses? Uh, you know, I've, I've thought about it, but uh, I haven't. I just, I just haven't. You're, you're just a go out and explore from a, from an altitude type of guy and, and uh, you know, foot dragging or just hanging over the treetops type of guy, huh? Yeah, like I said, I've, I've pushed the envelope and tested uh, the limitations of all my wings and you know, I find what I like to do, what I don't like to do. And, right. um, you know, again, uh, you know, it all comes back to uh, I love my life and, I, and my family and I, I don't want to I don't want to lose that. And uh, so it's a balance. Uh, you know, I'm a pretty crazy guy. I was a gymnast all through uh, high school and college and, you know, pretty fearless. Uh, you know, I'm the I'm the guy that would do handstands on uh, a mountaintop or you know, I, I have a picture of me doing a handstand on top of the oldest suspension bridge in Iowa. Uh, so, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly uh, fearless, but, uh, you know, I also know my limitations. Awesome. So have you done Bro. base jumping or skydiving? No, no. You know, and, and I have buddies that always want, want to go skydiving. I'm like, you know, 
what's the point of that? What do you're down in what 60 seconds or something? Maybe, oh, no. maybe, maybe two minutes. You know, we fly for two hours. You know, I go up and down. I, you know, if I want to explore. <laughs> yeah, if I want to, you know, experience that, I'll just go up a couple thousand feet and turn off my motor. Yeah, turn off your motor, do big ears. I mean, that's that's yeah. dropping like like uh like like a parachutist. Yeah. You know, nice I love right going up. I love going up a couple thousand feet and shutting off the engine and just spiraling down and land. Uh, you know, I do that all the time. But um uh you know, I there's nothing like getting up and flying for 90 minutes and two hours, you know. Exactly. Seeing the deer, the eagles, the foxes, the coyotes. And, any bear? I've not seen a bear. How about a skunk? Uh, <laughs> I'm only saying that because I was flying low, I was foot dragging, the skunk went oop bloop and uh, lifted his tail at me. So I actually saw a skunk as I was foot dragging. Yeah, lots of coyotes and uh, deer, eagles and and hawks, but uh, lots of geese. No bear. Saw an albino fox once. That was pretty cool. Wow, that's cool. I just saw a picture online. Somebody took a picture of an albino deer around here. I saw that. It is cool, the, the wildlife you can spot from a paramotor, for sure. Yeah. You just you just got to look out for the hunters that are there at the same time. Right now, right now it's hunting season in Alabama. That, I'm like, man, that's I'm right. not buzzing you know, you know, that's another thing uh, you got to respect, too. Um, you know, I'm a hunter, too, and and uh, there's lots of hunters out in these fields now that uh, the fields are plowed and it's hunting season. So, you know, we know where they're at and uh, we want to stay clear of them, too. And, and you're you're in Michigan, is that right? Illinois. So you, you get, Illinois. OK. OK. I know in Michigan, they only got like a two week long deer hunt season. And it's a crazy frenzy. So. Um, yeah, everybody much- everybody takes vacation during yep. that time in Michigan. DP oh, in the house. What's up, DP? Welcome here, How brother. You doing, buddy? Good to see you. If you guys nice didn't to know, see you. DP is uh, is a foot launcher, and he only has one foot. <laughs> a literal foot launcher. Yes, a foot launcher. So that's he's pretty he's pretty awesome in in my book. Good to see you, buddy. Nice to see you. Thank you. So, uh, what's that, Brian? I was going to say DP's the man, you know. The man. He, he, no, he you're the man. He's <laughs> D-man. DP-man. <laughs> got back on the show here, DP. Thank you. Yes, it is. We missed you. Seriously. Thank you. I missed you all a lot. Yeah. Had some, some issues. We missed, we missed and, uh, Brooke, we're getting things straightened out now. Yeah. Yeah, which reminds me too. Um, come, um, what was it? The the thirteenth of December is our hundredth uh, episode, and yeah. anybody that's been a, a guest on the show is welcome to come on that show and hang out with us and just talk about paramotors. Yep. Awesome. One hundred. Uh, yeah. Good for you, Sean. Well, it's us. I mean, I couldn't do this by myself. Are you kidding? I would have stopped a long time ago. It's not fun just hanging out by myself. But this is like a, you know, it's a family. It's a get together. And Cole, you're more than welcome to to join us anytime yeah. on our guest chat uh, every Monday night. If you want to just jump on and be part of the panel, that's how we get our panel. You know, uh, outstanding. 
It's just yeah. people that's been on the show before. And uh, it's always good to see people and tell tell your your story about your your coolest, latest uh, XC or paramotor flight or being sprayed by a skunk as your foot dragon. It, it, we just want to hear it, you know? I think I was episode 29. He still hadn't got rid of me. So he don't tell how long we'll see you. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Well, you know, when we started the show, we were talking about when I started, there was uh, hardly inner trainers out there and, and it was uh, in its infancy. And boy, it, it's amazing how, how fast and how, how wide it's grown. Uh, so Crazy. since 2019 or 2012, when you first started, even though you said that you, you know, were into it back in the um, 1900s of some sort, right? <laughs> um, 1993, so, yeah. That's 1993. When I first saw that DK Whisperer out in Japan. Yeah, I mean, that's two years before the internet really blossomed in 1995, you know, when you yeah. had when you had your little disc from uh, um, AOL. Everybody got yes. because they got the new uh, um, multimedia PCs back then, and you actually could go online with uh, AOL. First, right, right. first GUI interface with uh, Windows ninety five. Yep, I remember that. You're showing your age, brother. Man, this this right here, shows my age. you know my my PPG grandpa shows my age. I was alive in the sixties. Ninety six K baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to a lot of people about ultralights, uh, experimental aircraft, and it seems like uh, single-person ultralights fixed wing, the kind of the golden era for them was around the 80s, talking to a lot of people um, in the South. And, you know, you still go to Central Florida, you still get a lot of it, a decent amount, but not as much in the rest of the country. Uh, do you think we're in a golden era right now of paramotors? Do you think it's going to keep growing and blossoming, or you think uh, we're peaking? I'm just curious. Is that Tacol? Yes, Tacol. So he's got the experience. Boy, you know what what worries me is so many people getting in it and, and getting too crazy, not respecting uh, the laws or limitations and people's um people's privacy, you know. Not everyone likes people flying over their houses or near their houses or parks and uh, beaches or whatever. So what scares me is the popularity of it. And uh, like I said, people not respecting each other's uh, privacy or rules of the road, so to speak. Mm. Um, that, that's what worries me. Um, I'd hate to get us regulated. Have the FAA it's, come it's down. Common. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's just such a shame because there's nothing like, you know, getting in your car, driving a few minutes and pulling out to a park or something and getting airborne and just, you know, and enjoying the freedom that the sport gives us. And, uh, I don't think it's going to be too know, regulated. It just, it just worries me that there's too many hot dogs out there now. I don't think it's going to be too regulated. I think that um, what will happen, though, is that we're going to have the, um, what is that, the ASB um, in and out because drones are flying at 400 feet and, you know, a lot of things are going automated. I think that we're going to have to have some sort of um, uh, something on our paramotors and anything that flies to make sure that, you know, drones don't run into us. So, you know, I hope that, you know, people are are 
following the rules and regulations, but it seems like with all the automated drones that are going to be going out, it's very possible that we're going to have to have some sort of, um, well, it's ASDB, right? Am I saying that right? Am I saying that acronym right? ASDB? ADSB, yes. Yeah. So I think we're going to have to have that. That's what uh, all GA had to have at the beginning of, was it this year or last year? They, they don't have to have it. It's only commercial flights and people carrying passengers, I believe. Because at the airport I operate at, barely anybody has it at all. Okay, so just singer, single passenger don't need it. But if you are commercial or you're flying through like um, like um, um, an, uh, an airspace that requires it? I don't think there's any airspace requirements. Um, I've been recently looking into the rules because I was trying to figure out if we could even put it on our equipment. Um, the recent ruling that I, from what I understand, it's only certain commercial aircraft. It must be permanently installed and they are not allowed to have it be able to be taken out and put anywhere else. But if you're not commercial, um, my understanding is the lack of regulation does allow us to put it in and use it. But I fly at a lot of airports and I see helicopters will turn it off mid-flight. So I, I don't know... Um, what the real blanket rule is other than commercial aircraft that are registered commercial have to have it. I thought that um, GA is supposed to have it. Like if you have your um, pilot's license, your, your uh, general aviation aircraft, even Cessnas and everything has to have well, it. Well, You've got to think there's lots of aircraft out there that don't even have electronics. Like the, there's cubs up there that don't have any electronics on them. So again, the airport that I have my hangar, I'd say out of the 20 planes there, maybe two of them have it. Hmm. Yeah, I remember looking into it, and I, and I know that um, a lot of the planes are supposed to have it, and it was a requirement. Um, and I believe also, too, like I said, with all the drones that are going automated, you know, like Amazon, stuff like that, I wonder how long it would take before even, you know, FAR 103 uh, ultralights are going to have to have something that, you know, broadcasts and shows their location just so drones don't run into us. That sounds like uh, the next step that's going to happen. Who knows? I mean, it might be another 10 or 20 years. I mean, how many drones do you actually see that say Amazon on it and drop you a package? No, I haven't seen that. I think the general consensus most people agree is that at some point in the future, we're probably going to face uh, increased regulation. Um, you know, hopefully it won't be too bad. I've talked to different people uh, that had a different opinion on it, that they think that we should be regulated. It was kind of uh, a minority, I would say, that had that opinion. But, uh, you know, there's reasons that they said that, you know, so that we could you know, fly at night, fly over people in congested areas and stuff like that. Because, you know, if you're regulated, you can do that kind of thing. That's general aviation um, at certain altitudes anyway. So there, there's different perspectives on it. But I feel like if we keep flying over people's houses and we're not flying directly over them, and everybody's videoing, you know, you know, some people like to see us one or two times. But after that, it kind of mm -hmm. gets annoying to a lot of people, I yeah. think, if you just keep buzzing over and over. Yeah, I don't think the FAA wants anything to do with us, but you're right, Brian. It's just going to take 
you know, some incident, uh, some catastrophe or some incident that it's going to bring the pressure down on us. And hopefully, hopefully that won't be for a long time. Yeah. And it seems like what the, the first thing that would probably happen is that you would have to have like, you know, a rating, a certain rating, uh, you, you'd have to get your PPG one and two, and then you'd be issued something saying that you have that. So you can fly. So it'd kind of be like a, a driver's license, really easy to get kind of like a, a moped type of thing where, you know, you can drive a moped, but you don't need a license or registration or anything. I think that the only thing that we would be required to in the future is to have something that says we are a PPG one or two, and we have a certificates from, you know, the USPPA, you know, I don't think that's going to get something like you have to get it from, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that we don't, but it seems like we'd have to, probably hold a license that would be extremely easy to get at first like yeah, rolling uh, us into light sport aircraft or something but, uh, boy, yeah i hope not not for a long time yeah but uh, what scares me are the drones there there's some guys that fly the those little race drones at one of our um lz's from time to time and they're very respected by us when we're taking off but you know, they still scare me. You get one of those things tangled in your lines and ooh, it'd be awful. Yeah, um, I've been really, um, um, in my area, what I do is I put my phone number out there that I fly paramotors here locally. And I put my phone number out there all um, in all different places, all on uh, Facebook uh, groups and uh, different places, uh, different apps from around here. So everybody knows that I fly. And uh, I've actually had somebody call me or text me and said, hey, I fly, you know, drones and I see that you're up in the air right now. Uh, can I video you? So that's pretty nice to have that people actually get in touch with you and ask these questions or ask, can I come out, can I come out to your LZ and video you? Can I follow you with the, with the drone? So it's, I've met a lot of people that way, which is really nice. Wow, that's great. Speaking towards regulation and whatnot, uh, just a shout out to uh, tomorrow night's show, uh, the Tuesday night hangout with uh, Shane, Eric, um, and other guys, Mark, Will they uh they're actually gonna have Noah Rochetta on the new US PPG or uh, president. Um wow. he's gonna he's gonna be the guest and we're gonna interview him. So I'm sure uh, we're gonna talk about increased regulation um and, and those kind of things. So y'all be sure to tune in tomorrow night yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. I saw that too. Wow. I saw that he posted that. You can find that. You can go over to ppglear.com, L-E-A-R, and that will forward to uh, Eric's YouTube channel. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification. So when he does have his podcast that goes out every Tuesday night, uh, you'll be notified and check that out. Tomorrow's going to be a really good one. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Mad Sloper says they are requiring um, FPV drones to have tracker starting in 2023. And I think I saw something that the FAA is requiring um, RC pilots and drones to have to take safety trust test. So maybe in the future we'll have something like we'll have to have something from a school saying that we did 
go to their safety class. So I don't think that, I mean, I, I, I think that our FAR 103, as long as you follow those rules and regulations, I think that we're going to be okay. Um, just because a lot of things are going electronic, I think that we're going to have to um, probably have something that, you know, broadcasts that we are an ultralight for all the people that, and, and drones and things like that, so they don't run into us. But as far as regulations, I sure hope that they don't, I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, we're already regulated under FAR 103. I think that's the most they want to do. And it's, it and it's like also Brooke written. Just, what's that? It looks like Brooke just posted a uh, link to the FAA.gov website in the chat. What is that about? That, so that link is for the, it says that's the ADSB requirements for A, B, and C airspace. Uh -huh. However, I've seen this argued nonstop on some paramotor sites where other guys were able to take other sightings from the FAA and bring it in and show that that was just for commercial aircraft. So I'm personally confused on it. Um, I'd like to figure out a little bit more, but um, if you read the post the way I just put it from the FAA, it says anybody in ABC airspace must have it. So there's that. A, B, and C is, is really high up there, though, right? I mean, that's the highest ones. You got G on the ground and then uh, E above that. Well, it does say class A, B, C, and E. Um, and, e. Okay. and E. So, I mean, we fly in E also. That's what right above uh, G. So, sure. you know, once you pass 1,200 feet, you're in E airspace. However, because we are under FAR 103 and we are not – under the general aircraft or GA, um, we don't have to have it at this time, but I believe GA is supposed to have it if you're flying through a, um, any class of airspace. Um, but like I said, I think that we're going to have to be eventually, just because of all the things that are out there, something that it, like a ADSB out system that's really inexpensive that we can just, you know, like radio. You know, there's, there shouldn't be any reason why you can have a, uh, a an airband radio that broadcasts, you know, ADSB eventually, or or something that you can put on a little transponder that's um, that drones use. I mean, shoot, the drones, the uh, drones from um, uh, DJI have um, ADSB in, but they don't have out. So I've I've flown with a portable ADSB um, receiver that will blink to let me know when it's um, actually working. And I found half the time below 500 feet, it doesn't even work. So I don't know what technology is the best, but it's still somewhat in its infancy, it seems like. Yeah. So my, okay, so this is 2021, uh, November 29th. And my predictions are, um, within 10 years, probably five years from now, um, everybody under FAR 103, all ultralights are going to have to have an ADS-B um, out, which means that it broadcasts where you are. And an ADS-B in or receiver, um, just with your equipment, will be able to show you where the broadcasts are from other air aircraft. So if you're flying, you got a, a cell phone with a dongle, 
and um, you have your ADS-B in, it will actually show you the air the air um, planes or whatever's flying around you, what their tail number is. See, we don't have a tail number. And ADS-B right now uh, just is for tail numbers. And since we don't have a tail number, we can actually use an ADS-B in and actually see where all the tail numbers are. But unless you have a transponder or, or one that actually broadcasts, which are expensive right now, they're like 2000 bucks for um, a portable one. And that's, that's too high for me. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a good used wing. In five or 10 years, if there's a need for it, they'll figure out how to use our cell forms by, you know, by then, you know, there'll be an app on your phone that you use or something every time you fly. Yeah. You know, where, where there's a will, there's a way we'll figure it out. I think the main thing is, you know, as Sean made in the chat is, you know, just follow the rules and keep your eyes open. The number one rule at Aviator was D bad. And uh, I think most of you know what that means. You know, flying a, a, a way that, you know, you're not going to get yourself or others in trouble. You don't fly right over people and, you know, do things that uh, are going to make, you know, the, our sport look bad. Um, a lot of people out there are going to break those rules. But if everybody did follow those rules, uh, we would be a lot better off. That is for sure. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Well, it's 845. Um, I put the uh, the Zoom information in. No one jumped in besides DP. Um, I guess we can say thank you to Cole. And for the next 15 minutes, just talk about paramotors or whatever we want to talk about as an after show, um, if that's okay with you guys. Absolutely. All right. Well, Cole, uh, Cole Parsons, you've been flying for nine years and we definitely appreciate you jumping on here and and uh, telling us, you know, what what was going on back in 2012 when we didn't even know about paramotors and you were flying around. So that's pretty interesting. All your cool stuff that you've uh, talked about, all, all the information that you gave us, a wealth of knowledge. And we definitely appreciate you, buddy. Thank you very much for joining us tonight on our show. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate you. Yeah, my Thanks, pleasure. Cole. And it's a great podcast. I love watching and uh, being a part of it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, welcome down, back anytime. Absolutely. Down and down below in the uh, show notes or the uh, or the description of the podcast has his uh, YouTube link. So make sure you go there, click that, hit that bell notification if it works right now, I think that the bell notification doesn't work. So get I think we're fixed. on that. Get that fixed. At least, at least hit subscribe. Yes, DP. I had one question. It, it may have been covered before I got online. Um, the never quit on your wing there, Cole. What is that? Um, I think the prior organization that owned this was that organization never quit. So there the, my uh, friend that bought them, he bought two of these and they uh, both say never quit. So I think it's that never quit organization out of Texas. In fact, I know it is um, that supported uh, wounded uh, warriors and that. So, um, you know, it's cool. kind of the same cause that our friend bought them for. I, I think you missed it earlier. Um, we have an organization called we're just Patriots and uh our, our buddy, his brother was shot in the line of duty in um, Texas, and uh, he's a 
paralyzed ex-policeman. And uh, it was kind of in honor of him that uh, we founded this organization and Fly the Eagles in honor of uh, first responders and wounded warriors and that. Very cool. Thank you. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, I just looked in here, Matt Sloper said the FAA trackers for drones are going to cost $30. I'm sure that um, ADSB in and out uh, will probably be something that, like like Brian said, just an app that you can get with a dongle or something like that in the future, or a little thing that you can get for like a hundred bucks. I don't think it's going to be that expensive in the future. And whenever it comes available, I think that I want one just so I'm seen, you know, uh, electronically and, and visually. Um, but anyways, uh, yes, thank you very much, Cole. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, we also have, uh, um, Brian Haybale Waller. If you don't know him, make sure you go to ppgbrian.com. We got Jim from Canada. He has the maple money up there. Make sure you go to carepp.com if you want to get some custom stickers or or decals. I'm sorry, we call them decals, but they call them decals. <laughs> and if you want to see his shenanigans, go to carepg.com. If you want to be on the show, make sure you run over to see Linda Anderson over at paramomusa.com. And we appreciate you so much. Also, ppgpirate.com. Brooke Sheffield's on, in the house, and we appreciate you, buddy, for being here. He also has his own flight school, and uh, you can have a trike transition. So make sure you get up with him if you want to chat with him. We also got DP in the house, David Perry. And uh, if you want to see his shenanigans, go over to PPG Foot Launch. Dot com. Like I said before, uh, you can find uh, Cole Parsons' information in the show notes down below. My name is Sean Simons. You can find me at ppggrandpa.com or iFlyParamotors. You can find us anywhere out there on any of your favorite podcasting apps, including Amazon, Amazon Prime, um, even Amazon Music. It's in. It's insane. Look for us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Just search for PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast. Find us every Monday night at clearproptv.com. We love you all. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you tomorrow at ppglear.com. And then on Wednesday at paramotorgirl.com. Did I say that good? Was that good? Was that like radio DJ voice and stuff? Was that awesome yeah. or what? Outstanding. That was awesome. <laughs> Sounds totally rehearsed. I Sound tried perfect. my best. I mean, after two years of doing this, I better have that under control. <laughs> Don't forget yeah. Thursday night, paraglidingtalk.com with my son, Robert Michael. Absolutely. Yeah. See, I'm, but I'm supposed, ask, I'm supposed to ask you now. And that, that was, that was right. our thing that we always do. And then on Thursday night, something else goes on. Oh, man, I, I, I just got super excited. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I just had to jump in there and say it, yeah. Yeah, so Thursday night, something else goes on. What is that? Everglidingtalk.com. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. awesome. We also forgot to give uh, that was a good one. Brooks' contact information, I think, is ppgpirate.com. Yeah, we said that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We sure did. Okay. Mokeitup.com. Yeah, yeah. I'll try to hook you, hook you. Yeah, hook you up. All right. Any any words of wisdom or last uh, last thoughts before we go off the air? Anyone? Fly in peace. What's that? Fly in peace. 
Fly in peace. I Wait, love not pieces. Fly in one piece. One yeah. piece. <laughs> Brian, we have a guest next week, don't we? Yeah, What's don't that? kick hay bales. And, um, kick hay bales, oh, right, right? Who's our guest yeah, sure. next week, Mr. Waller? We do. I'm um, looking forward to it. His name's Sean Ashcraft, and uh, he was a student okay. at Brooks School, and I helped train him. And uh, I actually, he was one of the first people I talked to to this guy. Um, it was his sixth or seventh flight, and uh, he was just a natural. Um, he, as soon as he got down after his first flight, it's like, I got to buy three more pair of motors for his two kids and his wife. So, wow. I mean, he is totally hooked. And uh, well, um, so cool. Looking forward to hearing the story and catching up okay. next week. Cool. On ClearCropTV.com. <laughs> there you go. That's Thanks, awesome. Brian. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Brian. All right. So thank you very much, y'all. And uh we're Audi 5000. However, we are gonna stay here. And if you scroll back up and you find the Zoom uh you um ID and passcode, jump on. We're gonna chat for a little bit and just talk about whatever, whatever. Peace go. out. <laughs>